The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. What a thrill. What a joy. Excited for this show. We got so much to talk about. I want to talk to you all about what's going on with YouTube. We got some news about Spotify that is very much worth discussing. Some cool articles out of Billboard. And our guest this week... Holy cow, did we did we bring it with the guest this week? You will all, once I tell you who the guest is, you're going to be like, wow, Ryan really brought it with the guest this week. And yes, we did. Our guest this week, super producer, multi-platinum, Grammy-winning super producer, Ricky Reed is joining us. The man brought Lizzo into our lives, and for that we are so grateful, has produced for The weekend and Camila Cabello and Pitbull and so many fantastic superstars. Is going to have some great insight for you indie creators out there to help you move your careers forward. And you're just going to be inspired by his story. And I'm sure we're going to get more than a few Lizzo stories out of him as well. So stick around for that. Again, we have lots of things to talk about. But the first thing I want to talk about, I want to talk to our co-host, Elisa Rockdock about. Elisa, we got a lot of things going on. All right. It's busy. It's crazy. But here's what I need to know. First off, like before any of those other things, before we can talk to Grammy winning super producer Ricky Reed, I need to know. Why can't Twitch do a foam pit right? <laughs> oh, no. It's the most important thing. Oh, God. Okay. So, like, I don't. Okay. So, <laughs> one, hello, everybody. Hi. It's good to be back on the show. Um, second, um, um, I was not at TwitchCon. Um, I did hear some things and some stuff um, out of TwitchCon. It is it is a convention uh, created by Twitch live streaming platform uh, for the purposes of gathering creators together, having a really, really awesome time. There's all sorts of informative panels um, and, and just ways for people to, to meet and hopefully collab. And, you know, you, you, you rub shoulders with your fellow folks, especially when you are as a Twitch streamer sitting in literally this configuration that I have now and you don't get access to to your fellow human um as as part of those conventions sometimes there are what we like to call in the biz brand activations <laughs> um and and this was a a brand activation with i believe a lenovo who makes like computer stuff monitors and, and computers and things of that nature and 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 there was i think like it was almost like an american gladiator style thing i think where it's like there's two people and then like you fight and then you know you you win if you kick the other person into the foam there's pit. definitely a, a jousting uh taking yes. place yes um and and someone uh who who i believe won um uh took a celebratory hop into the foam pit which like as hey, one does with the joust by the way one, as one does with the joust, and two, like, we are bred, I think, as, like, 90s babies from a very, very, like, small age to see, like, hey, if there's, like, a bunch of something, jump in it. 
Oh yeah. Well, that's that's leaves. That's a ball pit. That's a bunch of snow, sand. If there's a big pile of it, jump in it because it's fun. Um, with, as you, it's a foam pit. Um, unfortunately, it was not um, uh, braced uh, well enough. Uh, it was, uh, I believe, the the, the floor underneath a, a a not thick enough layer of foam was, I believe, concrete. And not more foam, uh, which which then led to that person who celebrated uh, breaking their back in two places and needing surgery to insert a rod oh. for stability. Um, and someone else at that pit um, had, I think, dislocated their kneecap, something like that. Um, and it it sucks. It it super sucks. And I think everybody had to sign a waiver. But you know, hey, legal beagle, <laughs> what goods a waiver in these situations is the question. I guess I have for you. <laughs> well, I think, you know, it it varies from state to state, right? Like you, there's, there is, but generally like there is only so much that you can wave. And, mm. you know, if we can all agree that if Twitch created a foam pit that underneath that layer of foam had a bunch of alligators, you wouldn't be able to wave that with even the okay. best waiver in the world. Okay. And so like Twitch still has to kind of protect all of us. And I will say as as you know, as a 90s baby, as a foam pit lover, I've never met a foam pit I didn't like. Wait. I don't care where I see the foam pit. I don't care if oh. I'm not dressed for the occasion. I see foam pit, I'm in foam pit. And now foam pits have been ruined for me because yeah. now I'm always going to be afraid of what's at the bottom or how close that bottom is to the top of the foam. And so, like, because of this, like, this is now my worst nightmare. I'm never jumping into a foam pit again. Now, to be fair, I have worked at some wild ass brand activations before up to and including booths at conventions where people were shaved and or tattooed. And I'm wondering if that was for the same game. I think it was for the same franchise, at least. Um, but like live tattooing, like at the booth. So like, not the you know s silliest thing in the world that could happen at a convention booth necessarily. Um, it, it just sucks because like it makes a situation where like you know, folks were talking about like things like line management at TwitchCon, um, the like enforcement or non-enforcement of, of mask protocol there and like keeping people safe. Um, and it, and on top of, you know, other fun things that has, that, that have happened to Twitch in, in recent news, it's just like, just more, they, they cannot catch a break. Like they're trying to throw this event. Um, I think it's, you know, one of the first in-person ones in a very long time. And yeah. it's the first convention back for a lot of people. And so it's like, come on. And, and they just had some really bad press that we reported on this program about how they're going to start paying, uh, you know, some of their top tier creators at a lower rate. And so they're, they're itching for some good like, pub. They wanted like, this to just uh, go off without a hitch and make everybody fall in love with Twitch all over again. And then they have like the foam pit that apparently, you know, is like solid concrete underneath like yeah. one block of foam. Like, like, and I get it. You know, you want, you want things to have some sort of spectacle. You want to, you know, drive email signups for your newsletter, but like, at what cost? I, I consider myself spared in this because I am but 
the existence of my three-year-old or three-month-old child away from having gone to TwitchCon. And had I gone to TwitchCon, there is a 100% certainty I would have jumped in that ball pit. Yep. And I probably would have been really stupid and like gone in head first, even though I'm sure there would be plenty of instructions to not go in head first. But, you know, that's the way I do ball pits. All right. Hey, go hard or go home. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so... Like really my, my newborn son protected me from myself. It sounds like, yeah, I just, I I feel so bad because it's like, you know, for, for every amount of goodwill that they try, by the way, thank you so much. Um, uh, daddy Twitch for, um, lowering the creator payout to 50 bucks from a hundred bucks, which means that, you know, folks will get to see their money sooner. I appreciate that. Thank you. But you know, but for like every, like for every little, there is a, it's just uh <laughs> public relations <laughs> it's it's it, it sucks and also like maintaining a product for something like twitch which as an ecosystem has so many different subcultures and so many people to be catered to and like not a lot of not a lot of those like f- subcultures talk to each other you know like the folks that are doing esports, like yeah, there's gonna be some Venn diagram, but it's like did wasn't fun to look at Twitch chat during the drag showcase at, at TwitchCon, for example. It's like it's it's like for every like source of like awesome goodwill, you know, that there is, there's still a lot of places where I'm just like ah. Or as uh, you so aptly put it before, for every it there's every, a it. for every hey, there's a oh come on. <laughs> <laughs> see, should, see, see, first this, rule of this PR. Is what happens, this is what happens yeah. when 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 you're a voice actress. You oh. get to <laughs> express your emotions in a variety of different ways. And you've been doing some cool things in the acting space. I want to talk all about that. I we are going to get a career update from you because oh, it ew. is our, it is our monthly tradition when we have you here <laughs> to like f- figure out what our favorite VO artist and actress and uh, newly minted person who has a talent agent person is up to, but. We spent some time hating on Twitch, and that's always a fun exercise. But we need to let's let yeah let's hate on YouTube for a bit. I've been trying to talk about this story I'm about to talk about for I think like six episodes, and then something always gets in the way. Like we get a bigger story, or we get derailed on another topic, or a hurricane comes barreling through the Gulf of Mexico. But I'm going to talk about it this week because it is it's wild. Billboard. God, like six weeks ago, (laughs) when news breaks six weeks ago, you can find out on Break the Business. They wrote an article about YouTube being close to overtaking Spotify, being on the proverbial precipice of overtaking Spotify as the largest generator of royalties for musicians. So if you say who's who is generating the most total dollars for musicians for a long time, it was Spotify and now it's YouTube. Or at least it's going to be a YouTube global head of music liar Cohen estimated that YouTube will be the number one contributor of revenue to the industry by 2025. In the last 12 months, YouTube generated over $6 billion in payments for the industry, which is very close to the $7 billion that Spotify is generating. Now, we've talked about this topic with respect to Spotify before, talking about how that $7 billion number makes them sound like, oh man, they're doing some great stuff for creators, but that that number is kind of a mirage because what it really says is that they just have a lot of size, but aren't actually creating a lot of value for creators in the same sense that like 
What fast food franchise would you say, Elisa, probably generates the most total salary for its fast food employees? <laughs> like it's it's going to be <laughs> McDonald's, right? But nobody would say, man, McDonald's pays really well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. There's just a lot of McDonald's is around. So like Spotify pays $7 billion in royalties. It doesn't mean they're paying their artists well. In fact, their per stream payout is among the lowest of the major streaming services. They're just bigger than all of the others. And so they're going to have the most payouts, but their per stream rate is really low. So when YouTube says, hey, we are coming to overtake Spotify, the industry shouldn't cheer about this because their per stream payouts are even worse than Spotify's. So all this is saying is that there is less money getting concentrated into fewer companies and less money is making its way to musicians as a result. According to research from Musician Waves, Musician Wave, this will give you an idea of like kind of uh, where we are here. It takes about 229 streams to make a dollar on Spotify. Okay. So uh, a little less than, uh, you know, half a penny per stream. And uh, that's uh, less than, you know, so that's twice as many streams as it takes to make a dollar on Apple music. So Apple music pays out a little bit better on YouTube. If a person is watching your video, like let's, if watching a video on YouTube containing your music, they would have to watch your video or watch a video with your music. 1,456 times for you to make a dollar. Now, to be fair, YouTube does have a music service, YouTube Music. It's like a that separate... That was going to be my question, is is like, what's the breakdown of like officially YouTube Music versus like, you know, the money, the, the monetization off of videos using the music, which yeah. is and, different. And to that point, if, if, if more people were consuming music through YouTube music rather than through YouTube proper, that would be a good thing because YouTube music actually has a pretty good streaming payout rate. But the vast majority of people consuming music on YouTube are just going to YouTube. I imagine most YouTube users don't even know that YouTube, I combined YouTube with like a Pokemon, YouTube, um, that YouTube has its own streaming services. I didn't know until I actually, you know, read the article and I, I'm in this industry. So this isn't something to celebrate. This is just more evidence of industry consolidation and a race to the bottom where platforms are growing by paying creators less. If you want a platform to celebrate, if you're saying to yourself, well, who's the one that's doing it right by artist? Who's saving the music industry? Y'all ready for this? Like, brace yourself, stretch out. It's Napster. <laughs> Napster! <laughs> who's saving the music business? Napster, paying out close to a penny per stream. Yo. Napster and Tidal, way more than these other streaming services. So, Napster spent the first chunk of this new century dismantling the industry and now are spending <laughs> the next chunk actively trying to repair it, being the only ones that seem to be paying devoted to paying artists fairly. Look, Y2K is coming back in a major way. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what Napster just wants to zig when everyone else is zagging. Like just, Napster was like, you know, we were we were screwing the industry before it was cool. Now everybody's screwing the industry. It's not fun anymore. Now we want to save it. And That's, they, they weren't ready for us then. That's right. Oh, wow.
<laughs> and by they, Lars. <laughs> That's right. Elisa, what is going on with your oh, your art and your and your music? Last time we spoke with you on the saga of Elisa, voiceover artist extraordinaire, you had just gotten an agent. You're working on your new uh, album or EP or something. You're making yeah. music. The world needs to know what's what's going on. What's the latest? So I'm I'm very excited. Uh, uh, speaking of streaming, uh, uh, so also uh, direct support uh, towards the artists is also appreciated on services like Bandcamp, Patreon, and such things. Um, but I, I I recently released <laughs> um, a cover. Of one of uh, my favorite songs to perform with Evan, uh, my co-writer and, and co-op partner in life, uh, Building a Mystery by Sarah McLaughlin, just in time for your October apple orchard spooky walks, you know, uh, we, we released a, a, a version with lyrics and an instrumental version because I was just so taken with uh, with Evan's guitar arrangement that I'm like, I just want to listen to this by itself. So I'll put it out by itself. So that's out. And I'm very excited. Went through the process of like, because I literally had this, this guy over here on my shoulder as, as, as my Jiminy cricket being like, yes, check the box so that you get this cover song properly licensed. Dr. Mechanical license. Gotta do it. <laughs> I did it because I listen to this show and I pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's out and i'm very excited about it um what streaming oh no, stream, what distribution service did you use uh distro kid uh, who happened to have a very good interface for mechanical licenses and i'm not just saying nice things about them because i'm actively trying to get one of their executives <laughs> to come on this show i'm a big fan of distro kid like Music distribution's hard, right, to compete in because it's basically a fungible product. Like mm. CD Baby, TuneCore, DistroKid, they can all put your music on Spotify to for you to make no money on Spotify just as easily. <laughs> so you have to, if you're going to compete, you got to come up with kind of cool, interesting value ads and services. And I think DistroKid's doing really well with that. They had a really cool interface they came out with a little while ago where you can do those cool karaoke-style lyrics into your uploads. Oh, uh, so it, on like Apple Music and things like that, I have some clients that have been doing that. They've loved it. The uh, mechanical licensing piece works really well. Anyway, all right, yeah. I, I've I've done yeah. my job of sucking up the distro kid to get one of their execs on the show. All you have to do is check a box. It's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> um, so that's out. But also in the world of voice acting, I think Evan, um, who's also a, a lot a lot of times my my audio producer for these things, he's kept track. I think I've auditioned for like sixty things or submitted for sixty projects. And one of them finally booked, y'all. I Woo! finally booked. Hey! I finally booked. Took me a few months, but um, I, I booked a commercial, and that's very exciting. Um, I think a lot of people think that voice acting is, like, very lucrative in terms of, like, playing characters and, like, being in anime and, like, cartoons and stuff. Um, but, like, for me, as, as somebody who grew up you know, a around and in advertising agencies because my mom worked in one. Like, I just internalized commercial work <laughs> and like commercial <laughs> voiceover as just like a and, and like a latchkey kid. Like, what are you going to do after school? You know, in the nineties, just watch TV. Um, so all of that, you know, being able to like book a commercial, you know, and and talk about someone's signature dishes. It's just like <laughs> ah, it's so a cool. really good uh, voiceover commercial voice. 
I did I, literally when I was in Borderlands three in the booth, there is a scene um, where I have to basically fake like I'm a subway announcer as the protagonist is entering the subway station and I have to fake being the subway announcer. And it was like, welcome to Apollyon station. And, and like, as I was doing that, the director was like, have you ever considered doing commercial voice? <laughs> Something that you could look into. And I was like, Cool, that could be kind of dope. And that is like the majority of the work that I've done has been things like commercial narration, educational stuff. And real quick, can you tell yeah. us that prices and participation may vary? Prices and participation may vary. See store for details. That's... Yeah. Yeah. I, oh. I, I literally got an audition in my inbox where they said, all right, the top copy has to fit within 30 seconds. But then you also, the same person also has to be able to read the fast legal disclaimer. Oh. So I get to audition and do the legal disclaimer at the end. Oh, it's no so good. Necessary. Oh. <laughs> it's, um, oh, uh, and it's so cool. And it was a really cool experience because I've worked in marketing. I've worked in brand. I've worked on the other side, like picking people to do voiceover for trailers or like helping write a script for it. And like being in the room where we are the mediator between like talent and the client and like, you know, this, this eating establishment, the advertising agency. And then I'm in a booth in a closet, like doing three, like 15, like maybe 20 different kinds of, mm, <laughs> it's like trying to get like the right expression of satisfaction for this 30 second commercial but like it it really brought into like strict relief like it is not as easy as it looks like you have to think about what your jaw's doing what your tongue is doing your lips how much to enunciate you can't do it too much nowadays because nowadays people want a more authentic read they want more vocal fry like it's like all yeah. of these different things that like i'm absorbing through the process and it was just a really cool experience because you know like can we can we can we try that again but just lose the comma <laughs> there's a comma in there throw it out <laughs> Here's the challenge I see with the kind of voiceover work you have to do as far as I'm concerned. And this is just an outside observer who obviously doesn't work in your field. But, and this is going to be super off topic, but I know you remember this story and let's not bring up any names here to protect the innocent. But oh when you and I did theater back in high school, I remember there was a, a young man in that class <laughs> who had a lot of trouble just like emoting at all. <laughs> And had to do this really passionate scene with this other girl who was a really good actress who was getting so frustrated with this guy, like not emoting at all, that she just breaks character, stops the scene and goes, you have to give me something. And when I think of what being a voiceover artist is, it's that you are in a room that's completely pitch black. You are not you are doing a scene with nobody. You're getting no external stimuli. And you have to manufacture emotion completely deprived from any context or motivation. How do you do that? It's it's so difficult. It's it is choreography. You move your body more than you expect you would. Um, yeah. It's a lot of like trying to like put myself there. And I think one of the one of the things that helps me is like having to be the carnival barker getting excited about a video game to show someone at a convention um the idea of like hey 
please experience this thing that we ourselves made. Um, being able to internalize that voice and pretend that, oh, I cooked that, you know, pastrami sandwich. Like, this is our pastrami sandwich. And, like, you have to internalize and pretend that you are a line cook back there and you are proud as hell of that thing. Um, but not too proud because you don't want to be too salesy or announcery, right? So yeah. it's oof. it's it's a lot of hand movement. It's a lot of um, speaking with a smile in, like, the most deranged way possible. <laughs> is very it's 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 harder than it looks yeah. <laughs> it's harder than it looks um yeah and and then it's you thinking oh yeah that felt good and then you know and then someone being like could you do it a little more could it be a little like more zazz could, could, could i could just get some more zazz <laughs> on it and i'm like what the fuck are you doing like sorry to drop an f-bomb but but it's like sometimes it's like you will have 15 different contradictory directions in yeah. something we want someone who's approachable but not too chipper yeah friendly but not eh, but also an authority like like they have to know what they're talking about it's it's a mm, you have to listen you have to just listen to a lot of commercials i will talk back to the tv a lot <laughs> I bet in the in the pantheon of unhelpful voiceover feedback, I'm sure you get this one a lot where they just don't know what they don't know what they want, but they know it wasn't that. So they're just like, can you just do it again? Yes. <laughs> no. And then and then that that like split second. Oh, my God. This this took forever where it was like, all right, cool. Uh, we're happy with it. And I didn't know this was happening. I thought they were just going to send the client an MP3 or something. All right. Now we're going to bring the client in and have them listen to it. Oh. After I'd already been doing this for like half an hour. And, we're gonna, oh. and then I got to listen to them listen to it in real time. And then they listened to it once. That's great. And I'm like, hell yeah. Silence. <laughs> Can we listen to it again? And I went, shh. Dang it! Oh, as soon as I heard that little bit of silence, I was like, "Oh, I'm going. Oh, I'm going back in. Oh, there was something in there that they were like, oh, it's like it's like 99 of the way there.' But could we just could we try? Okay, so like, I don't. Mm, could we like try this? But like, instead of going down at the end, could you go up? And, then, and I'm like, oh mm. so oh. like. It's always in that like last little pause where it's like, oh, I'm gonna have to go back in. But I I learned a lot and like I I walked out of there being like, I get to say some of the wildest and awesome stuff. Um, I've auditioned for like uh, a haunted like 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 a haunted theme park thing i've 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 auditioned for all sorts of stuff where i get to play all sorts of characters and all sorts of like not characters um but they're all characters in their own right you just have to figure out who the heck it is that you're supposed to be in this scenario <laughs> and make up a person and just be that um but it, i i learned a lot and it's not no one is ever going to know the name of the voice actor that did that one commercial um which is kind of cool because I get to just like, I don't know, like it, it feels like background processing for 
<laughs> in a way like like i i get to show my face here and and present my personal creative products and then i get to you know talk about like resorts and you know like lawnmowers and tractors and stuff over there in the shadows and nobody knows <laughs> no, it's, so cool. it's it's a fun gig and i can't wait to do more it's it's awesome well we have about a Three, four minutes left before we have to go to break and then bring on our awesome, exciting guest, Ricky Reed. With those minutes, I would like to keep us on this topic of voiceover acting and yes. discuss the latest uh, example of voiceover acting that was brought to the world. And that was in the form of the leaked Super Mario Brothers movie trailer. Not leaked. They did a whole Nintendo Direct about well, I think, it. Wasn't it like leaked before the director? What? Either way, it is out now, yes. and it generated exactly no conversation, and nobody <laughs> had anything to say about it, no and thoughts. it was completely uncontroversial, and no one had any of the problems with any of the voiceover performances. Do I have that about right? Yep, yep. Um, no thoughts, head empty. Um, uh, it's a me. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> let's go <laughs> let's go uh so my my thing is is that charles martinet who's been the voice of mario forever mm -hmm. i believe is listed on the cast list and i think is listed at the end of that trailer in the list of goosh 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 you know like here are the big names that we have in this movie um charles martinet is listed I the OG see that. voice of Mario. Yeah. However, <laughs> that's not yeah. who he's playing. Uh, we we got to hear Chris Pratt as Mario at the very very end, saying "Mushroom Kingdom, here we come." Those that 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 was the line read. That was that was the read. Um, before that, um, I I was like, okay, it's a video game movie. Already the bar is on the floor yeah um but it's cg so i'm like oh okay expectations up here and then it's like ah big hollywood voice acting uh, okay nah, nah, <laughs> the kind of dropped a little bit again um i was very pleasantly surprised by um keegan michael kia's toad i like obsessed. that absolutely obsessed um and jack black as bowser confirmed um a lot of things for me um personally and and it sounds like and this is the thing that that you know obviously parasocial relationships i literally know nothing about this man but jack black has always felt like he is down to clown and will just go for it whatever yeah. it is and i love the voice that that he did i maybe i don't know if it's like pitch shifted like down just a little bit um but like the delivery and the performance, I was like, whoa, he really took this in like a really good direction. I really, really like it. And then Brad. people's least like Chris. And <laughs> um, I, I feel bad because as somebody who has had to fill in some shoes with my own voice acting and like step into a villain role ahead of somebody who is absolutely iconic. Yeah. Um, that is hard to do. That is very difficult. And you are going to get, you know, criticized no matter what, because you are not the guy. 
right? You are not Charles. Um, but maybe we haven't heard enough. I heard it described on Twitter by someone, and I wish I could give the proper credit. It sounds like the voice of Mario, <laughs> not Mario. <laughs> and I lost it. <laughs> not Mario. Yeah. Mario. Mario. The way that all of our moms pronounced the name of that character for us growing Ooh. up. And, wow. Uh, like, but the the CG and the way that the Mushroom Kingdom looks amazing. Oh, and those little penguins. So good. The I never played Super Mario sixty four, so so I didn't have like an emotional attachment to like the penguins coming out. Um, excuse me. Um, but like that that penguin sequence was hilarious, yeah. and like Bowser, I want to see more. Toad is great, and like. I'm wondering if maybe they could take it where the games kind of go, where like Mario is more of a silent protagonist and like, yeah, we want to hear Chris Pratt's voice because that's what everybody's dying to hear. And that has to be in the trailer, but maybe these folks are carrying it a little bit more and maybe you're going to hear maybe more reaction um, and more woohoos and, and, and maybe like a little less like, actual dialogue and maybe that could be a saving grace either way there might be like an approach here that like we haven't considered and this is this could be something where like when when heath ledger was first pitched Mm. as being the joker everybody's like no oh a knight's tale come on (laughs) and now and then we're like all right never mind that was the you know one of the best performances in all of cinema and we're all Mm -hmm. effectively shut up There is something to be said for let's wait until this comes out and see what they're going to do with it before we just immediately go to a snap judgment from eight seconds of audio. Yeah. But yeah, I can understand people's uh, apprehension. Yeah. It's what, what sucks is hearing things like no one's going to hear, like no one wants to hear Charles Martinet like for an hour and a half or whatever. And then it's like, (laughs) hi, I'm no one. Well, well, it's 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 like voice actor. It's an actor. It's in the name. It's in the he can act. So yeah. like you th- he could do he could do different two different reads, two different takes. He could do like a, a bunch of different things. I, I, I bet he takes direction really well. Like, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I, I bet you having played the character for at least a couple of decades, you know, maybe he has some ideas, wants to workshop a couple of things. Like it, it, it does feel weird. Like it's like, he's in the movie, but it's like, man, I hope he gets points on the back end. At least, you know what I mean? Like, damn, you know, 20 years plus this, like like, poor Charles Martinet probably said like eight words into a microphone at a voiceover session 20 years ago, got paid $118 and they've just been reusing that audio ever since. And I'd like to see our man get paid. This is what I'm saying. Iconic. Right. True yeah. true enough. Let's go to break. Uh, uh, talk to Ricky Reed. Excited for that. Don't go anywhere. Keep checking out Break the Business. Let's go. Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. 
I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, everybody. Lots and lots of kisses to our friends over at Slam Radio, Sirius XM 145, for giving us our satellite radio home. I was actually over at Slam Radio today for a Sirius XM event, hanging out with all of the awesome young people that make that station go. That's awesome. I'm so inspired by what they do. Ryan Corelli here with Elisa Rock Doc and excited to bring on our guest this week. He is a two-time Grammy-winning multi-platinum producer and songwriter and is the CEO of the Nice Life Recording Company. Our guest's recent work includes producing About Damn Time by Lizzo and a number of hits for artists like Camila Cabello, The Weeknd, Leon Bridges, Pitbull, and more. You can find out more about our guests by visiting nice.life. I got to get that top-level domain. I that like is that. so That's cool. That's good. That's really good. <laughs> We are break the business dot life. Yes, we are happy to welcome Ricky Reed on to break the business. Hello, Ricky. Hello, hello. How you guys doing? Doing very, very well. Great. Excited to talk to you, my man. It's been quite the journey for you getting to the point where you are now, working with the biggest names in music. I've heard you talk in the past about how. You've had to deal with a lot of adversity and had a lot of doors slammed in your face. Uh, you didn't sort of just go right to getting to work with the biggest names right away. There were a lot of mountains for you to climb. Where Was there ever a moment early on where you were just like, ah, screw this. I- I'm, I'm going to quit. Oh, boy. I mean, how many of us in this kind of industry don't go through so many of those, right? I don't think my story is um, unique by any means. But I mean, yeah, I mean, countless times from the first time. First opportunity I had was doing like a a battle of the bands in the East Bay and literally, literally having the guys that worked at this music store where we were doing it, literally laughing us off the stage, like laughter. That was the beginning. Um, My mom made me frame the rejection letter that I got from from the guitar center or whatever it was. And yeah, it's, you know, it's been... 
It's there constant, is no better motivator than spite. Oh, it's good. Spite from Guitar Center of all spites. Um, well, I have, no, I have band you know, stop spite, so I'm 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 right there with you. Bro, that's a that's great. GameStop. Wait, did you get shut down by GameStop? What happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, we weren't sure if you would be able to handle the clientele, but I'm like, um, that that's cool. I'm in the credits of the games you sell now, so bye me. <laughs> wow. Handle the clientele. Good one, GameStop. Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I think that for anybody who's constantly pushing yourself, constantly challenging yourself, you're going to continue facing rejection. Like I, I'm still on a day in, day out basis, making things, playing them for people and having them go like, you know, sending something to my manager 10 minutes ago. I think this is a hit for so-and-so. And he's like, I'm not hearing it. I'm like, oh, ouch. Okay, great. And then on you go the right next. back to the guitar center mentally. I'm, I'm, right, I'm right back in the hot parking lot. Yeah, all, all the yeah. hits, all the Grammy awards, but you're you know you go right back to the guitar center the moment somebody's like, I don't hear, I don't hear hit there. Yeah, no, it's true, and and, and that's oh. I you know I I think you gotta you, there's obviously some some things that hurt more than others, but I think you have to develop a bit of a thick skin, and you also have to not get too attached to any one thing you mm. create. You have to create in the moment and send it off into the universe and, you know, hope for the best. Well, Ricky, we only have about a billion uh, Lizzo questions for you, <laughs> Let's go. but we, but I, you know, we don't just want to inundate that you with them because I, I am pretty intrigued by just everything you've accomplished. Uh, you, you know, you work with, uh, with an artist who's very close to all of our hearts as Miamians Pitbull, which is, you know, very cool. But oh, yeah. I want to talk to you about a recent article I read in Billboard. I don't know if you have the headline of this. And it made me think of you and your work with Lizzo, because what this article was talking about was basically the idea that in the era of TikTok, in mm. the era of, you know, there's just songs being churned out all the oh, time. This is great. That the era of the superstar is over. And the article talks about how in the early part of this century, there were 30 artists that would crack on average, 30 new artists would crack the top 10 every year. And then in this past year, only 13 new artists cracked the top, uh, the top 10. And so on one hand, I think about how there are a lot of executives in this article saying it's harder than ever to break artists because of TikTok. And then I think of, Lizzo and I think of your work and how you are working with one of the biggest superstars in music who owes a lot of her success to TikTok and its users. So what do you think of just the general thesis of that article that we are witnessing the decline of the music superstar? That's a really, really, really complex idea to unpack. I mean, you know, TikTok is an amazing place. It's a, it's a, it's a community um, and I think it's an amazing tool to break artists, but you also have to understand that there's things built in uh, that, like any platform, like any DSP, you know, your Spotify's, your Apple Music's, um, you know, th they want to they want to get behind stars, they want to help break stars, but at the end of the day, you're still working within a system that's always going to feed the system right? Systems that are built to benefit the system. And that's, you know, no shade against anybody. That's just the way everybody's in it for their own situation. So that being said, I think that to break stars in this era, you have to really get back to um, 
you have to get back to you know being bold and being unique and but i think you also have to be really authentic um you got to strive for quality you got to be consistent um it maybe maybe there's less things breaking that don't stick around but i think the really important ones that were meant to break you know did like olivia rodrigo Lil nas x mm. billy eilish lizzo mm -hmm. like there was nothing in the world that was going to stop them no you know platform or anything that's in that article about why this is happening there's just some humans that won't be stopped and mm -hmm. it's my job to try to help find who those humans are but specifically ones on the fringe ones that um have voices that are not you know a part of the mainstream conversation and help amplify them can you talk about that process with respect to how it took place for Lizzo, how did you bring her into your life? How did you identify this is somebody who I think can be one of the biggest stars in music? And, and you know, talk about those early days of amplifying her, as you said. Yeah, I mean, it was a really interesting time for me. I, I had just started to have some success. I had a few um, big songs under my belt and I was really starting to feel like I could break out of the mold that was starting to sort of close in around me, having done Talk Dirty and Fireball for Pitt. You know, I was sort of being looked at as maybe a bit more of, of a pop guy, which is funny because in the Bay Area, I grew up playing in like punk bands and stuff. I, I came from a band, the band world and producing um, hip hop in the Bay also. So there was this moment where um, I'd done some work with Atlantic Records. They offered me a JV. I kind of wasn't into the idea and my manager um, convinced me to give it a shot. <laughs> I said, I don't want to, I don't want to be behind a desk. I want to be in the studio. He's like, just try it. You'll make it your own. It's fine. So we had a, we'll we had a, a cool uh, top level domain name. It'll be great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we got exactly. this dot life thing. It's going to, it's going to be so way, cool. We, we're lucky that dot life exists and it, it, costs, it was like 10 grand or something. It's not. Oh my cheap. God. Worth um, it. Yeah. Absolutely it worth secrets. it. However, <laughs> I'm no longer interested in break the business dot life. Yeah. <laughs> I am withdrawing well, my but, offer. But wait, there's gotta be a break the dot biz, right? What about break Ooh. the dot biz? Mm. See, but the problem is now that you've just mentioned it, somebody it, is going to go grab it and sit uh, on it and try to make me pay 10 grand for it. That I should have that should have been. And now I want it so bad I'm gonna probably pay for it. Damn. Yeah. Somebody. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so I, I mean, essentially we, we were introduced by, we had the same booking agent, this guy named Matt Morgan, who's a lovely, lovely guy. Um, still very close with him. He's still Lizzo's agent to this day, but he introduced us. He was like starting a label. You should meet this artist. My manager, Larry flew out and saw her at terminal five opening for Slater Kinney. Whoa. Oh, um, I want to be a bad show. Oh man. She opened for my morning jacket. Around that time, she was like, I mean, her history is. Bananas. Oh, my gosh. Like, I want to do. I wish I was like following Lizzo during her college radio opening. Like, oh, yeah, I got Death Cab for Cutie next week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Liz, Lizzo, the CMJ like, years. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> that totally. would have been great. <laughs> yeah. No, it was a totally different time. But. I, yeah, so we flew her out to L.A., and on the first day, we made her song Worship, the first day we met. Wow. Um, and I brought it home to my then-girlfriend or fiancé and um, one of my close friends who's now the president of Nice Life. 
and showed them and I was like, it just, we can't not sign Lizzo, right? Like, this is crazy. The second session we had uh, a month or two later, we made good as hell. And yeah. we were and we just creatively, we were just rolling. But the thing about her is that she's, and she's still like this today, same person. She walks in the room. She's, you know, she's so funny and she's so smart and so talented. But she also makes this is a way of, I think, like sometimes a real star, the kind of stars I want to be around, they make you feel good. They make you feel mm -hmm. like you're the only one in the world when they're talking to you. Everything else melts away and you're just like connected. Um, I've heard people say that about Barack Obama, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> similar it, it, similar at least, vibe. Uh, well, I mean, if we can make her president too, I'm down for that. But <laughs> at least I, I hope, I, I know you feel the same way about this, that like, it's really important to me to know that she's every bit as nice in person yes, as she yes. seems to be in her public persona. Yes. So Ricky, mm -hmm. thank you for confirming that for us. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, yeah. It would have crushed a, me if we found out that she was super problematic or just a pain in the ass to be around. <laughs> right. Right. No, Cause she no, seems so wonderful and I'm glad that that's actually true. <laughs> she, no, she's wonderful. And, and she, she also, you know, she clearly from the very beginning was somebody with such an important message. Um, and, you know, I think at the beginning we didn't even know that sort of the moment that was coming, mm. her moment, I knew she was amazing and talented and had a lot to say, but I didn't realize that there was almost this, um, this community and this bit of a movement that was coalescing at the same time. And, you know, you just can't say enough for timing. We just had great records and we were working really, really hard for about four years until uh, we finally had a little luck and things started to change. They are great records. I think there was at least four separate time in, times in my life where I was listening to TikTok and a song comes on. I'm like, this is a banger. And then I only find out later it was a Lizzo song. And that happened to me four times. I'm not even oh, like, just, that's amazing. Um, and, but you know, I I, obviously the production is going to play a big part in that. And so, I mean, with respect to what you do, Ricky, I, I'm intrigued by this because sometimes when we talk to producers, they tend to focus more in one genre, one kind of stable of artists. And it's hard to find the producers who can be effective in multiple genres. Mm -hmm. Then I look at mm -hmm. your discography and you know, you've worked with Maggie Rogers and Maroon five and the weekend. And so can you tell us a little bit about like, kind of give us a window into what your process is to be able to get great performances mm -hmm. out of artists, regardless of genre. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, you know, I think it's a lot like what you guys do, right? You probably bring so many people on here that are from, different walks of life, different stories. But at the end of the day, it's just humans connecting with humans, right? Trying to get, trying to create an honest feeling space, a safe feeling space, maybe like a fun or a silly feeling space, whatever it is. And for me, music is sort of the vehicle to just meet and learn about all these interesting people. You know, the only projects that don't really work for me is where I just don't have a great personal connection with the artist. But I always say to them, musically, we'll figure it out. And they're like, I'm trying to do disco meets reggae meets country. I'm like, okay, that's great. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. Let's talk about how you're feeling. Let's talk about what you're dealing with. 
Um, and then musically, it's my job also to have a great, you know, community around me of other producers I work with, you know, instrumentalists, uh, band leaders, arrangers. So, you know, when I was like going in with Camila, I was like, all right, I've worked with um, this amazing Mexican-American songwriter and producer named Edgar Barrera. I worked with him on Bomba Stereo a long time ago. Wow. You got to meet Edgar through my engineer, Bill. I had just met this guy, Cheche Alara, who's a uh, amazing producer and arranger. He produced a lot of the Natalia Lafourcade stuff. Oh, um, so I just could sort of like be like, talk to her and hear what she wants and be like, let's bring in Edgar, let's bring in Cheche. Like, but also let's bring in this random young, you know, beat maker and just build your little family. And that for me, that's the most fun out of all of it is just is helping connect people, build these little families, these little communities. And at the end of the day, if you're doing all that and you're having fun, you're going to get great songs. It's it's that's just how it goes. And that brought you to where you are now with Nice Life, kind of sort of operationalizing the work you already do as a producer, putting an office around it and, you know, kind of getting you to that next phase of your career. And you were telling us before that you had some trepidation about getting the JV because like, oh, you don't want to be behind a desk. You, you know, you, you don't want to do business stuff. You want to be in the studio. So tell us what those early days when you started mm -hmm. up Nice Life, setting it up, what, what was it like for you, somebody who, from your own admission, like you're not, you know, you don't want to be a business person. And suddenly you're in charge with building a new company from scratch, mm -hmm. staffing it with an, a new roster of artists, filling in new executives. What was that experience like for you and how'd you get through it? It's a great question because it, to me, it was never so glamorous or sexy to like be, have a record label. You know, I, that was never something I was that into. I didn't idolize, you know, I listened to a lot of indie labels growing up, hip hop and punk and whatnot, but still it really wasn't in the cards for me. I didn't feel like. So at the beginning, you know, it just felt like we were one of these producer JVs where you have like a employee, you know, a lot of your business is messy you can't be reached, you're, you know, things are falling through the cracks and you're just trying to produce hits and deliver them to your major partner. Yeah. It's just, um, a, it's just a company name on a contract and, but basically right. you are the company. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I've had to set up a couple of those. But yeah, <laughs> okay. I'm familiar. Yeah. So, so what was interesting for me though, is that, you know, we're working really hard on Lizzo and it's in the first couple of years are trying. We're making a lot of great music. She's continuing to grow, but for her and for me, it feels like we wish it was happening faster. And as we start to sign a few more things where, you know, that necessitates a couple employees, you know, we bring in the, my friend I mentioned earlier, Brad Herring, um, who's sort of operationally running everything start to realize as, as we're seeing Lizzo maybe about to have a moment, like oh wow wait a minute the the thing that i do with music as as a writer and a producer there's actually an opportunity here for me to have a much bigger impact not just on music culture but on pop culture and culture in general by again finding artists that are left out of the mainstream conversation and helping them become superstars and become very influential um that for me, when I'm seeing Lizzo become the Lizzo that we know today, that's where it starts to click for me. And I'm like, oh, this is my job is to keep finding these kids 
and to help push everything forward. And that's when I started to fall in love with it. And that's what's brought us to where we are today. One of the things that your label does that I think is really cool. And, and if you're, if you're, if you've ever encountered my podcast in one way or another, we, we tend to have a skeptical view towards the label model and are all are trying to explore like new paths for artists as the industry is constantly changing and evolving. But I like the approach you're taking because you really do seem to be just having an artist mindset about things and your company does some pretty great things for artists. Talk about the uh, non-recoupable mental health fund. Oh, that you, let's uh, talk about the, the non-recoupable Ryan. Ooh, we, are, we are very pro-mental health around, around here, and uh, we're yeah. all, all constantly talking about uh, how difficult things can be for creators uh, psychologically, and we want to create a better place yeah. for them, so we love that you're on the same page there. Yeah, I mean, you know, pretty early on, we started to realize that these artists, you know, have immense strains on them uh, from the career, sometimes they're coming into this career not knowing how much can really be expected of them, how much they're, you know, oh, yeah, you just got to write your own video treatments, direct your own videos. You got to be a great <laughs> singer. You got to know how to, you got to be good live. You got to know how to move live. What are you wearing? You got to dress yourself. You got, like, there's, there can be a lot um, for these artists and and employees. And kind of got to the point where, like, in my life, you know, weekly talk therapy has been a tremendous value for me. It, it's it changed my life and um, made you know made it possible for me to handle the rigors of this job. And you know, there was a point early on where our artists were still needing this help, and I was like, "All right, just put on, just put on my credit card. I got you. Like, let's do you know, <laughs> let's get you with a sleep therapist. Like, I'll just." And then after a little while, we were like, "No, we should just make this official. We can handle it." And it started with our artists on the recording company and then our writers at the publishing company. And now it, it extends to employees as well. We think it's um, the most important thing there is, you know, taking your mental health seriously can, can save your life. It can literally save your life. It can be a life or death situation. And um, when I think about any of these artists, writers, employees, that I love going through some of that stuff and, and feeling alone or feeling scared. Um, it's just really hard to think about. So it's, it's a, a small sort of extension of what we try to do to take care of them. Good on you, Ricky. That, That's awesome. That is awesome. We have our final question that we ask every guest that comes on the show, but before we get to that one, uh, Elisa, I don't know if you had any other questions for Ricky. I, I've sort of been monopolizing this fantastic <laughs> uh, guest. Yeah. My apologies. <laughs> But, uh, um okay so they vary. No, I, oh, <laughs> that rocked me bro that rocked me i was screaming <laughs> in the in the back room <laughs> just as an aside hey <laughs> sorry you, go, you go, just go. got you praise know, on your vocal performance from super producer ricky reed that i'm saying solid. i mean i'm i i have no further questions you know what it would take when the take is that good okay so i am the guy who says She's got a pretty solid that. music discography too. I should be worth mentioning. I just, you know, putting that go. out there. Oh, there sure. we go. Try, well, let, let trying, say, to, trying to plug my friend here, you know. Anyway. Right. Let me say, let me say this. When a take, when a take is that good, uh, something that I'll say to an artist sometime is let's not disrespect the previous take by making you do it again. Oh. 
That's what that was like to me. That was a, a one take Jake. One take That's Jake. Good. No, because literally, like, I'm I'm literally like in the next few weeks about to go in and record vocals on my new EP. So I'm like, I need I need the sauce. I need all the sauce I can get. I'm sorry. This is sauce. Sprinkling. Yeah. Sprinkling you. All right. All right. Sorry. That was an assignment. <laughs> cool yeah yeah no that's i mean i mean it, it was going to sort of be that question about like like as a vocalist and a songwriter and somebody who sometimes gets like very you know specific about like what i'm trying to hear um like how do you sort of work with a vocalist who may be like you're you're maybe feeling that frustration of like ooh I don't know if we're like a thousand percent there um, mm. and you kind of maybe see if we can get that like extra ten percent out or like get rid of some of that funk or right yeah I mean oh my gosh it's it's different with everybody the, the one of the most important parts of my job is getting the energy to translate correctly in the in the booth um, it's often you know, like with with some kinds of singers that can like, I would assume like yourself that like can very analytically take feedback this way and that mm -hmm. it might just be working on it. Like, let's try, let's try this. Let's try it. And just like doing it a lot. A lot of times too, it's like, let's take a break. A lot of times it's, let's come back tomorrow. It's often like, did you, have you eaten? You haven't eaten. <laughs> Let's eat. A lot of times it's like that, like eating, have some water. Sometimes it's coffee. I've had some singers where, you know, it, it, we'll have to like stop and like talk about their relationship problems for an hour and then like have a glass of wine and be like, go back in now, now, now. And then it's perfect, you know? So it's, it's different for everybody, but those are just a few, a few of the techniques. What problems can't be solved by just the fact that you're hungry and you need to eat something? Uh, honestly, like maybe <laughs> probably like I'm, I'm looking back and like 90% of the times that right. I've been mad at Evan in a vocal session, I have probably just been hangry. Like legit. <laughs> Straight up. Dude. Um, That's real. Ricky, we really appreciate you hanging out with us and just, just getting the vibe of the program, which has been a real blessing. We got one more question before we let you go. And we hope sure. that once we let you go, you just come right back whenever you want because we want to hear Let's from go. you again. I'm having Absolutely. a blast. And this is great. Right on. All right. So final question for you. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's actually pretty straightforward, even though it takes a lot of different forms. But it's 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 really be yourself and work really fucking hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's not much more than that because nobody can do you better than you. You already have a unique, you already have a unique thing because you're the only you. I mean, we say that to artists all the time. Whenever an artist is like, I'm just trying to do weekend meets, mm. you know, uh, meets post Malone meet and just like all this stuff. It's like, bro, I'm interested in you. So do you, but also you got to work your ass off. I mean, if we're being really frank about what it is right now in 2022, I would be all over TikTok. I would mm -hmm. be playing shows and I'd be finding the most talented people immediately around you. Don't be waiting to get in with me. Find whoever's dope around you and create with them. That gets on my radar way quicker than somebody who just like won't stop 
being mm. in my DMs. I love hearing about little communities, this or that, that are like popping off. They're having, they're like having some streaming success. They're having some TikTok success with nobody's help. They're not waiting for anybody. Mm. So yeah, don't wait, be yourself and work really hard. Great perspective. Ricky, it's been a real treat. Thank you so much for being on this week. Oh yeah. This is a blast. Anytime you guys want me back. We're, don't don't give us oh, that yeah. invitation. We will <laughs> abuse it. Abuse <laughs> it. All right. Let's go. Thank y'all for this checking out awesome. Break the Business. We'll see you next week. Thanks.